BioInsights podcast. This episode is called Happy Medium, Considerations in Scaling Cell Culture Media Strategies. I'm Charlotte Barker, an editor at BioInsights, and today I'll be discussing best practices for scaling up your cell culture substrate with Dalip Sethi, Director of Scientific Affairs at Trumo Blood and Cell Technologies. Thank you very much for joining me today, Dalip. So we're here to talk about cell culture media, obviously a big consideration for developers in this field. So first off, just to clarify, does Trumo BCT have a media offering? I'll start by saying no, Trumo BCT does not have a media offering itself. Uh, we understand that media is the vehicle by which cells obtain nutrient gases, growth factors, and it is the most important culture condition outside the body to grow the cells. So we do not have a media offering itself. But when we think of our equipment and devices, they are designed to be cell type and media agnostic. In case when we are considering protocol development experiments in-house, we do consider different media formulations that are available on the market as often as possible. And we do share those results in various methods or various channels through our peer-reviewed publications, through our webinars, posters, seminars. So yeah, we do not have a media offering, but our devices are supposed to be agnostic to cell type and media. Okay, great. So what are some of the main considerations in choosing a cell culture medium? One of the main considerations to think about is the media that is used in the research or the development of the protocol for potentially a cell therapy product. Is that media available in a GMP grade to head into manufacturing. So researchers use media, sometimes it's a homebrew, or sometimes they use a research grade media for early development. But when you think about a cell therapy moving from the research to a manufacturing stage, the consideration has to be think through is that the media that you're using, is it available in both grades? If it's commercially available, do you have a research grade and a GMP grade available? I understand because of cost consideration, a researcher may choose to use the research grade media to start with, but as they move into their clinical phases and the later stages of the development, they may move to a GMP grade. You'll be thinking about scaling of that media too. As you go from a small scale research development grade to a manufacturing grade, the scale of production will also change. So assume like making sure you have the right supply chain in place, you can get all that media that you need for the production. So that's one. The other thing is the type of media that you're using. Does your media contain serum or is it serum-free? Is your media xeno-free? What I mean by xeno-free that it does not contain any animal-derived components. So making sure you have those considerations because you need to think through when you go to the manufacturing and you submit your CMC file to the regulatory You don't want to have all those questions from regulatory at the later stage. So try to have the best media composition for your cell type that you're growing, avoiding animal-derived components, so having a xeno-free. And 
I know people target to have serum free aim, but sometimes serum is required to get good quality cells. So thinking about serum substitution, if you can't go completely serum free, or how will you change that without impacting the cells, the quality of the cells, the phenotype of the cells as you go through the production or moving from the research to the manufacturing to the production stage. Uh, chemical defined media or CDM is the new thing and a lot of media companies are coming up with it. So think through that. That's another consideration. Is there a chemically defined media that could be utilized currently? And then will it help you in your manufacturing and give you the best quality cells? So that's one. So thinking about cell culture media, there are a lot of consideration to think about. So just to give an example, for a T cell culture media, there are multiple components like proteins, glucose, vitamins, amino acid, trace elements, inorganic salts. When you're culturing cells, let's take an example of T cells here. You want to make sure the T cells have the right physiological pH when you are culturing them to maintain that right amount of pH, right? So when cells are growing, for example, T cells, they'll consume glucose, they'll produce lactate, which can change the pH of the media. To maintain that pH, you need a buffering system. And a very simple buffering system is sodium bicarbonate, or what we call a bicarbonate buffering system. Now, it can maintain pH for a certain concentration of hydrogen ions and lactate. But when you have very fast-growing cells, you may think of media-containing different buffering system in HEPIS. And this is something you have to test and think about it depending on the type of cells you're using. I'm taking an example of T-cells, and T-cells also have different kind of T-cells, whether it's like effector T-cells, you have uh, CD4 T-cells, you can have T-rex, they all grow differently, and depending whether they're healthy donors or patient material, they'll all grow differently. So think about that buffering system and how it works in a given condition that you have. And lastly, when we think about T-cell culture, right? So let's not forget about interleukins. So what kind of interleukins you'll be using in your complete media? What will be their sources? What will be the grade of those interleukins? IL-2 is a very common used interleukin which are needed for cell culture, for T-cells. So think about the grade of that interleukin. You can, again, a researcher may choose to use a research-grade interleukin, IL-2 in early stages, but think about the supply of that particular interleukin from a particular supplier. Do they provide GMP grade? What are the qualifications that you need to think through if you continue with the research grade, if the GMP grade is not available? So all those considerations uh, you need to think through. So in addition to that, make sure you can have supply of all the material. You can have the supply of the cell culture media as you go from a research scale to a manufacturing scale and all the components that you need to add, like for example, interleukins into the media for T-cell culture, is that supply available? And in case that particular supplier cannot supply, what is your second source? How will that second source function? And how that all contingencies work for you and your manufacturing, how will you qualify the lots? Or will you ask a supplier to produce large amount of lots? How will you store in your facility? Uh, what happens if one of a media QC batch fails? Uh, how much inventory that you have to keep or the raw material inventory you have to keep to make sure you can keep going in case of a supply chain disruption? So a lot of questions to think, and I'm sure it keeps researchers up at night. 
if I'm developing a cell therapy, these will be the things that will come to my mind. Okay, great. So what about then media related considerations uh, when you're using a closed automated bioreactor system? Thinking particularly about the in-process analytical components. Yeah, so it's a very interesting question. When you think about closed automated bioreactor systems, and I'm thinking about perfusion-based systems. So first thing, when we talked about those medias earlier, those medias do have different protein concentrations. Some media have a lower protein concentration compared to others and different concentration of glucose. Again, it's, it's required for cells to grow. In a bioreactor system, you wanna make sure that the bioreactor have enough flexibility to accommodate medias with a different protein concentration. So if you have a low protein concentration media or a high protein concentration media, which is normally problematic, the bioreactor system, the automated systems are able to handle that without getting clogged or blocked. So having a big surface area, a big membrane surface area always helps with that. And it allows you to culture cells with a high protein media. So think through that if you have a high protein media, specifically low protein media, normally good in most of the bioreactor system, but when you have a high protein media and sometimes it's needed for that particular cell type to get the right phenotype and right culture condition, think about those um, protein concentrations. When it comes to the process analytical technologies, now you can have different kind of process analytical technologies where we talk about offline, that you take a sample out of your bioreactor system, you pass it to the QC lab, they take it to the room somewhere within the same building or somewhere close, and they test it out for you depending on the things that you're looking for, either metabolites or the cell phenotype or the cell viability or whatever you're looking during the culture. At line, when the system is right next to it, and on like in line, when the testing, the process analytical technology works with the bioreactor system in the same line, either on the EC side, when I think about quantum flex or where the cells are cultured. So it, it is important to think through that, how the samples are taken through this bioreactor system if they are coming directly without a filter, which is again, a risky proposition sometimes. Again, if your analytical technology is sterilized properly and integrated properly, great. But if it is not, you wanna go through a filter. And specifically in case of high protein media, I wanna make sure that filter can handle those sampling considerations. Great, some really important points there. So where then does equipment and consumables factor into the conversation? So one of the most important part that any manufacturing equipment provider has to do is to think through the extractable and leachable and doing that ENL testing on those disposables, the fluid path that comes in contact with that media, cell culture media. Again, different kind of medias are used for cell culture. So we have to ensure that no substance are coming out of that disposable uh, into the media that can impact the cell growth negatively. And this is, and when we talk about this testing, this is table stakes for in the industry. It's nothing that we need to think, oh, we can't do this testing. It's a table stakes if you're providing manufacturing equipment for this industry. The other thing we have to think about is 
how are those again proteins an important part and interleukins we talked about interleukins important for the t cell culture uh, such as il2 these proteins and cytokines and growth factors are very important part of ex vivo modification and culture of the cells so when you choose an equipment you have to think through are those proteins binding to those surfaces are the cells getting the right amount of proteins right so the surfaces that are used again the fluid part the fluid contact surface should not be taking out proteins from the media or are impacting them in a way that they are not active enough so that the cells are not starved or they don't get the right growth factors so their growth curves are not what the researcher expected so those those are some of the things to think about when you're choosing about equipment and consumable and we talked about having the right surface area so your filter doesn't get foul or clogged and making sure the cells are cultured in the right environment and all the material when i think about the material the growth factors the proteins the amino acids and other components of the media are freely available to the cells so they have the right culture conditions yeah i think some interesting problems you bring up there um, perhaps not sort of first line issues that you mentioned earlier <laughs> but certainly something that could affect development timelines what would you see as mitigation strategies around that yeah so when we think about mitigation strategy first of all when those things happen they are very unwelcome surprises to any researchers so one of the best ways to avoid when we think about taking a particular manufacturing technologies from the research stage all the way to manufacturing and development stage is to use like for like substrate what i mean by that is using the same material of contact what you have used in your development stage using the same environmental controls for example if you are thinking through a particular level of lactate to be kept during the culture let's say below 12 or below 10 or below 15 choose your number depending on your culture condition and ideally uh, the platform that you're using should be the same so that is one of the mitigation strategy bioreactors uh, which have very small volume requirement and a low seeding density requirement can provide and along with their scaled up counterpart should be the top considerations for researcher one of the example that comes to my mind using of the technology that we provide to this industry is the quantum flex system and it's a good example for this so in quantum flex we provide two sizes of consumable what we call a small and a standard size bioreactor and when we think about this the small bioreactor is roughly 1/10th scale of the standard bioreactor they both use the same hollow fiber technology they both have the same material that comes in contact with the cells and the media the small bioreactor can produce more than a billion suspension cells and when we are talking about this i'm talking about example like t cells and more than 100 million adherent cell under the right culture condition so when you think about this it provides a right amount of cells to maybe in the very early research stage to think about this and as the therapy developer progresses from research to manufacturing they can move to a standard bioreactor using the same exact hollow fiber material of contact it can produce 10 times the cell so it can produce up to 10 billion suspension cells under the right conditions and 1 billion adherent cells again when you have the right culture condition so you can scale it 10 times if needed to grow more cells using the same material of contact 
One other thing I would like to mention for this Hall of Fiber technology, this is a very exciting technology and the reason I joined Rumo. This technology does not require a manual pre-culture step, such as a T-cell flask or a gas permeable bag. So you don't need to change a substrate. So you culture, for example, in a T-cell flask, which is a flat plastic, and you move to a hollow fiber, which is a different substrate. You can move directly into the hollow fiber technology. And if you need different scale, for example, you can use the small bioreactor first and the standard later, depending on the needs of the therapy, or go directly all the way using small or all the way standard. And when we think about this technology, and we were talking about media a lot, we have used different kinds of media to successfully generate T-cells in our system, including Milton E. Texmax Media, Arvin Scientific's Primex V, and Lonza's Therapy XVO Media, just to give you a few examples. And so let's round things off by looking to the future. How would you say your customers' needs are changing as the industry matures? And how do you think you know, we're going to go about finding the happy medium that we're talking about today um, in the future? So definitely, and thank you for that question, first of all. And definitely customers are thinking through those media types, right? We talked about that different kind of xeno-free, serum-free media. So thinking about that because the customers, when they're developing their particular therapy, they're thinking through how will they go through regulatory, what will go into their CMC file. So definitely having those xeno-free, serum-free medias with a serum substitute does provide a, a better opportunity to explain it to the regulators, like what are we using? How do we control lot-to-lot -lot variability? So people are thinking through that and chemically defined media, when I think about that, it has come into discussion when we look into the literature and when we talk to other people, but I haven't seen many people using it yet. Maybe in future, I would say three to five years, it becomes more and more available and more and more people will use it. And at the end of the day, it is the combination of the bioreactor, the media composition. And I always think about the buffering capacity because if the cells are growing fast, you wanna make sure they can have the right environment without changing their pH significantly and getting the right phenotype and the right amount of cells to be able to dose a particular patient or a particular clinical trial in a right way. Thank you, Dalip, for sharing your insights with us today. This episode was brought to you in partnership with Trumo Blood and Cell Technologies. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe to the Bio Insights podcast. <laughs>